Um, this finding talk will be about the role of the software architect. And uh, it's not going to be a talk. Basically, I will, base, I will try to convince you about my point of view. So it's going to be quite controversial. Uh, who knows what my point of view is for this problem? Who knows what I think about that? Nobody. That's great. Oh, one person. Yeah, we had a discussion on the blog, right, about this. And this morning, we also talked about that. So we have one person who's actually against my point of view. So that's great. I hope everybody will be by the, you know, by the, by the middle of the conversation. And then by the end, I hope somebody will be convinced. Um, I'll try to keep it short. I, I'll, I'll give it to you. And then I hope you will have questions. So who is the role of the software architect? Who is the software architect among you? Who, who thinks that? that is a software, just one person. Two people, three. And who work with software architects in their day job, who communicate with these people? All right, so there are way more, almost everybody. Uh, in my experience, I've seen like a few of these people with a software architect uh, uh, badge on their, on, on their uh, business card. And usually it's a person who's got uh, a higher salary, who's got a better chair, who's got a, a better place in the office, who, uh, who, who, who is present on most of the meetings, uh, who's got a big title on the business card. So it's usually a person who we, like, we know this is a software architect, we kind of, we know this guy is a pro or a girl, uh, a woman uh, is paid way more than everybody else, but that's basically it in most cases. That's basically it, that's all we know about this, this role. And, uh, and when they hire you, they also, when, you, when they give you the, the title, or they're looking for a software architect or the lead person on the team, they don't explain you what does it actually mean. They just say, you need to be a software architect. I think it's kind of wrong. I think this, this job position, this, this title, uh, is a completely different thing, and it really means something, and I'll explain what I, what I think it should mean. I think the main idea of an architect, or, or the, the main person on the technical team, the person who makes decisions, technical decisions. So it's the person who is the who's, who puts the signature on all technical decisions made in the team. No matter no matter how the decisions are, are made, no matter where the information is collected from, no matter how many programmers or developers that person has to communicate with in order to collect information, in order to make the decision. In the end, the decision has to be made by one person. And and this is how it should be, I mean, the flow of information. These, these, these people around the architect, they may communicate to each other. They may exchange information. They may discuss. They may have as many meetings as necessary. But in the end, when the decision has to be made, it has to be one person who makes the decision. This is kind of obvious what I'm saying, but in most cases, it's not happening. In most cases, we make democratic decisions. People are you know, sitting together in the room, and they vote for some you know, for some decisions, they vote for some ideas, and then in the end, of course, the architect may, you know, is more authoritative, authoritative person. The, the architect has the stronger opinion and the stronger vote, but in the end, if five people is against one person, if the architect says, we're gonna do it that way, and then five people in the room say, no, we kind of disagree, we think it's wrong, in most cases, it's almost impossible for the architect to convince that people or make the decision. So it's always a job of convincing that people, of making sure these people agree with me that I'm, I'm the architect, instead of saying, this is my way, we'll just do it that way, I don't really care what you think. Thanks for your opinions, thanks for telling me what you think, but in the end it's my decision. It should be like that. And I think, who knows what this guy is? What this picture is from? 
It's a movie. Say again? Was it just Rocky? No, not Rocky. Okay, you have some time. Oh, it's a slide. We're going to stay here for a few minutes, so think about it. So my, my point here, the, the slide shows a director, it's quite famous director. And I'm comparing the role of a software architect with the role of director in a movie. So when the movie is made, there are so many people involved. The cameraman, actors, you know, people who invest, some producers, everybody around. But in the end, the director makes all the final decisions. And if the movie actually is a good movie, then we celebrate, it's a celebration, it's a success of a director. If the movie is a bad movie, we blame the director. We're not gonna say that it's a great, well, the movie sucks because of the cameraman, or the movie is not good because that person was not a good actor. We blame the director always. So that's why I'm putting two words, responsibility and authority. So it means that the first one is responsibility. The architect or the director is fully responsible for all problems, for all troubles in the project, for all technical mistakes made in the project. Made in the project. So if we made some wrong decisions in our code, in our technical solutions, if we made the wrong, uh, if we delivered the wrong design or the wrong architecture, we blame one person. We never say it's a team fault. We don't, we don't say it's a group fault. We say it's a fault of one person. That's the person who has to be you know, somehow punished for that. I don't fire, we do have to do something. But that's one person who failed. Why that person failed is the second question. That person was not able to collect the right information, was not able to communicate with the team, was not able to find the right developers who would help him to collect the information. That's a separate story. What we know is that the responsibility for failure is the responsibility of one person, the director. It's Martin Scorsese, I think one of the best directors, and who knows the movie? Okay, you have a few more minutes. So the second word is authority. Authority means that, responsibility means blame me if the project fails. I'm the software architect, blame me if the project fails. But then if you all, if the, if the full blame comes to me, I need to have the full authority to make all technical decisions. So if you're gonna blame me for the wrong selection of the database platform, then I'm ready, don't let me, give me the power to decide what's the, what's the database platform is. So it would be completely wrong to come to the architect and say the project, you know, we have technical troubles, the project is not scalable enough, or the database is not fast enough, and, and then you, it's your fault. But the architect would say, I, I wasn't able to make the right decision. There was a group vote in the, in the room. There were like five people in front of me, and all, said, all of them said that uh, we, we, we want to use that database. And I was just, okay, sure, if everybody wants that. No, it has to be my decision, the final decision has to be mine, so I have to have full authority to make technical decisions. So it's one person game. That's what I'm saying. One person game, it's not a teamwork. It's a one person game. The teamwork goes below that one person. It's, it's, it's a job of that person to organize the teamwork around, around himself or herself. So if I'm the architect and I'm a good, for example, I'm a, if I'm a good architect, I would find the right people around me. I mean, good Java developer, good, uh, a JavaScript developer, a good database developer, and I would listen to them. But I will have the authority to say, shut up, this is my decision now. And all of them should know that it will be some time to shut up and do what I say. So it has to be one, like in the movie. So if the director says, that actor doesn't, it doesn't work for us, we just you know, remove that actor from the scene. We just, we just fire that person, for example. 
or we change the scene, or we, seen, we change the full story of the movie. Because the person knows, the director knows that the responsibility will be on his or her shoulders. The movie is called Raging Bull. Mm -hmm. Who knows the movie? Not so many, you should watch it. Uh, you Google it, huh? <laughs> yes. Okay. Raging Bull, it's one of the best movies in the world, I think. And Scorsese is number one director, so you definitely should watch it. So this is the comparison. So I'm comparing the architect with the uh, software architect with the movie director. You should think about yourself as a movie director when you're building a project. It's always your child. It's always your product, your personal product. You're not there to make, you know, to become a friend with other developers and spend some time in the office. You're actually making this child. You're actually building something, you, personally. It's not us building it, it's you personally doing that. Everybody around you just helping you with the technical, with software, with the code they write, with decisions they suggest you, with the information they collect for you, with everything. But it's your project, personal. That's, I think, the mentality we, we, we kind of miss in most cases. In most cases, architects are just, you know, my salary is bigger, you kind of listen to me in the meetings, but I don't care what happens next. I'm here just temporary. So I will eventually, will, they will transfer me to another project, I will change the company. So don't blame me for that, and don't give me the authority to, you know, to make any decisions here. It doesn't help the project. And here's the diagram, which I think, which demonstrates what I just said. And, and kind of explains now how that person, that architect, has to communicate with the team and with the project. So I think there are four key roles in the project. The first one on the left is the architect. So it's the person who makes technical decisions. On the right, we have a group of people. Who, you know, who develop something, to contribute with some result. At the bottom, we have the source code, the product, and the tickets, where all the discussions are happening, where these people communicate. So I think that the link, the, the, the line between the architect and the team should be as thin as possible, or should not exist at all. So I think that the right way to communicate with the architect to the team is through the product. So the architect should not do uh, uh, teaching, coaching, training, explaining, uh, mentoring. All of these words, I think, they kind of help developers for a moment, but in the long run, it kills the project, it kills the product, it ruins the whole idea. So once again, I think the communication between the architect and the team should happen through the product. So for, I'll give an example. Let's say. Uh, we have the, the architect has to make some decision. The architect wants this uh, product to go, the, the development go that way, and we want to use, for example, uh, the, the NoSQL database instead of the, the database we have right now, the relational database. So the architect, instead of coming to the team, for example, the decision is already made, so I know that this is my decision. So instead of coming to the team and explaining them why the decision is made, what my reasoning is, what is my reasoning behind that what needs to be done, I just go to the source code, I create a ticket for that, I explain that there, I write some piece of documentation there, and I push it to repository, and then the team collects all that and knows exactly what, I'm, what I want. If I want to collect their opinions, again, I'm telling them, go back to repository, contribute your code, submit your ticket, and explain what you want over there. So we always transfer information through the, through the repository through the artifacts instead of just you know, verbal communication. That's the idea. Are you surprised enough? 
And we have, okay, we'll discuss it, sure. And we have a project manager. So the project manager, again, is responsible for making sure that these, these, all the you know, members of the team, they follow the rules of management. So they, 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 they know that, well, well, again, we'll discuss a little bit later this role, but again, the communication between, uh, so the project manager, the role of a project manager is to control that this whole, you know, that this whole setup of people actually follows some rules of, of management. So they, they get paid in time, they get paid for the results they deliver, they, they don't have, have you know, un, un destructive conflicts, and all that stuff. But the main point here is that the architect is kind of detached from the team. And if you look in the team, deeper there, that all programmers there ideally should also be kind of detached from each other. So they shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't work together and, and, and outside and, and far away from the project. So the project is the king, the product is the king, the, the repository is the king. Not the architect, not the team. So always the main thing is the repository, is the code we create and, and the communication, the conversations we have in this, in this tickets, in this, in this bug report. This is the main product we're developing. We're not training the team. The goal of the architect, the, 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 the architect is not paid to train the team. The architect is not paid to banter anybody. We are paid and the team is paid to create a bigger and better product. And while this product is created, we all get trained. We all get you know, motivated. We all get, uh, uh, what's that word? Uh, cultivate, not the cultivate is something else. So we all get, we all get uh, improved. Our skills are improved. Our motivation gets up because we all work on the product which grows and we're communicating through the product, through the source code. So the source code is the main uh, communication channel between us. That's what I think. Um, I have three more slides. Um, and we'll have questions. So basically the first, and now the question is how exactly I think that the architect has to communicate with, how the architect can affect the development of the product. I think there are two instruments, basically. What I use as an architect in our project. And we're developing a number of projects with distributed teams. There are about 50 people right now working in our company. They all work remotely. They're mostly developing Java. And I play the role of the architect in a few projects. We're running now about 20 projects, and I'm the architect in a few of them. Other projects, they have their own architect. And in all these projects, there are two instruments how the architect can actually make, uh, can actually affect and can change the way the product is going forward. The first one is bug reports. So if I'm the architect, I have something which is developed, I have some Java code in front of me, I see how people contribute there, how, it, how it's progressing, how it's moving forward, and I want to change it. So I go to the, I go to the bug tracking system, and I create a bug, like in an open source project. I file a bug, I explain what's wrong, I explain what is wrong now, how it should be done in the future, and then I assign this bug to one of the developers. And then somebody will fix it later, and then the product will be improved, will be you know, moved to the, to, the, to the new direction, and, and will be affected. So I don't go to the team in most cases. I don't you know, tell them what to do. I don't, I don't lecture anybody, I don't train anybody, like do it that way because of this and that. I don't explain it verbally, I create a document for it. This is, again, this is how most of open source projects work, so it's a good practice. <coughs> and the second, the second instrument is code reviews. So then people, when I submit the bug, somebody starts working on that, and then later that person comes back with a, with a code change. So they bring back, we work on GitHub, so they bring back, bring back a pull request. 
And in the pull request, we have the changes that person introduced. So then I'm as an architect, I have a second opportunity to, to, you know, to do something with the product. So I look at these changes and I decide whether it's a good change or I need to make some comments and actually correct that person and make sure these changes are right. So that's what I do. First of all, I submit bugs and I, and I submit many bugs. So I, I explain and explain and explain what is wrong with the product, how it has to be improved, what needs to be changed. I submit bugs. I don't communicate with them. I mean, I don't sit at the meetings and I don't mentor them. I don't lecture them. I don't train anybody. All I do is I'm saying how bad is the product right now and how, and how good it can be in the future. This is what bugs are about. We are here, we want to be there. We are using right now that kind of a database and it's not scalable. So let's change it to that kind of a database, which is more scalable. So that's a bug. And then somebody fixes that bug and comes back and say, hey, now it's a different database solution and it's more scalable. Here's the chain. And I'm looking at the chain and I'm saying, no, I don't like it really. You did something wrong. Do it again. We're not going to accept it. And then that person will redo it, will rewrite it, and then come back with the change again. So there are two instruments I use, code reviews and and bug reports. I don't know what you guys are doing. I mean, how how you when you are the, the architect, how how you uh, influence uh, the way the project is developed. But let's start two instruments which were used. And the second question is, what kind of report is coming back from the from the architect to the project manager? So let's say we have this architect. The architect is doing that, becoming sort of a technical dictator in the project telling people what to do and listening to their opinions, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but always you know, making changes and, 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 and telling them what to do through these tickets. And then we need, to, we need to communicate somehow with this architect, the project manager, who is a bit higher than, than, than the architect, the project manager needs to know what's going on and somehow control the architect. I think there are three instruments to control the architect. Um, first, it's, um, that's what, I, sometimes I'm a project manager, for these architects who work with me, and I ask them to report to me. And I ask for three things. The first one is I'm interested to know the scope status. So the architect, because it's a main the main person in the, in the development, the, the architect knows, must know, how much is done and how much is not done. <coughs> so the, 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 the high level overview of the scope must be in the hands of the project, of the software architect. So the architect must know that this is the, the, the amount of work we're looking for, and that's the amount of work we've done already. So we're sort of in the 50, like in half of our way. So that kind of information I need to know from the architect, being a project manager. Technically, so I need to know technically what's the estimate of the scope. The second question which I'm asking is, what are the problems right now? Like what is wrong with the development? Again, the architect must know what is wrong, because, uh, because that information belongs to, to, his, to his or her job title. Issues means something is already wrong. So our database is not scalable. Our website is slow. Our web service uh, doesn't support that kind of, you know, doesn't support JSON, supports XML, but it has to. That kind of, you know, we're using Java 7, but we have to use Java 6 on production, something like that. So issues. So problems which are already here. And point number three is risks. So the architect must, over, must overview the, the, the development and must know what, what potential problems we'll have in the future. So what may go wrong in some time, in a month, in two months, in a year. So like, like for example, right now the database is quite fast, but in half a year we'll have way bigger traffic and we'll have you know, bigger problems 
with scaling the database. It's going to be slow. So all that kind of information the architect must report to the project manager, informing the project manager about the, the future. Um, so that's what I wanted to say. And now your questions. Does it make sense? We have questions. Sure, let's go. Anyone, let's start here. Yeah, have you heard about the giant? Yeah, yeah, giant, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and the second question, what is attrition on your, on your What's what? Attrition. People leaving, you know. Retention rate. Retention yeah, rate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. Huh. That's a good question. So you're kind of you're kind of saying that in that model, people will not like to work in that scenario, right? Because I wouldn't. You wouldn't. Yeah. Because the architect is, is a dictator. Uh, yeah. Personal, I wouldn't enjoy working. Yeah. In that kind of environment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, in my experience, again, I, I can't convince you right now. We can't model. I mean, we can't build this environment right now. But in my experience, we're doing it for four years, and everybody, all the developers, are so happy to be there, because they see the structure, they see the discipline, they know that there is some person who is responsible, and responsibility is clear, and they know that their job is has you know has pretty clearly defined scope. So I know that, that my job, for example, I'm a developer. So I know this is my task. This is the scope of my task. And if something goes wrong, if I don't like the decision, if I don't like the, the, the architecture, I know who to talk to. I know who's responsible. It's not the group responsibility where it's all messed up. And we just know that it's all us, all together, something goes around, goes down. We don't know who's, who's responsible. So it's kind of this, this format, this structure, when we have clearly defined role, gives people way more satisfaction in their job. Satisfaction. So we have zero retention rate, actually. People don't leave us because of that. Sometimes they leave us because, for example, they ask for money, we can't do that. Sometimes they leave us because they find some, some, some project somewhere there. But nobody never ever complained about having the architect in that kind of role. So like, I can't convince you just you know, right now, maybe you should somehow try it, I don't know. Yeah. But that's my experience. I had, I had a different format for years, doing something else without that, and people were not happy. And, I, and me, myself, as well. Yeah, the, the question about Agile, so uh, yeah, in Agile, like, we try to, to, to go to more autonomy team, right? So I uh, give them a vision, a mission, so they try to figure out themselves because a group of people can find, you know, probably better solution, right, than one person. And um, yeah, here it's more about, you know, scope, project management, so it's still like smelling with waterfall with old way of working or you're, you're not the first one who is saying that. Yeah, so, yeah I've, heard I, that. I I've heard that, that the waterfall is kind of, people think so, but I think we're more extreme agile than traditional teams. Because we actually you know, allow people to do this collaborative work, but in a, in a structured way. So if I'm the architect, I know that it's my responsibility to configure that structure, you know, to configure the teamwork somehow, mm -hmm. so that people communicate to each other, so that people exchange information, but then this information comes back to me and I make the right decision. Because it's my, you know, now I know that I have to organize that. If I'm the director of the movie, it's my, you know, I need to organize this cameraman and actors and everybody to work better. Because I know everybody's going to blame me. But if nobody's going to blame me, like nobody's going to say that this is your fault if something fails, if, the, if this movie sucks, then I will be just, whatever, who cares? I'll be in the office at 11 in the morning. Yeah, so for, but if I, for, for movie director, yeah. you, you're probably right, but based on uh, what Netflix say, Right, so they say that uh, only one out of ten movies really successful because it's uh, indeed the decision of the director. And what they want to do, they so they want to collect the data, 
from many uh, people, right? What they like, what they don't like, and create a movie without a director. Well, this is right. I agree. I agree that the, the, in most cases, your projects will fail because the director, the architect, will be bad. That's true. But if they success, if they succeed, so let's put it this way, you will definitely find many bad architects. Of course, most of the architects will be bad, including I mean, people in this room, including myself. We are not, you know, we're not perfect. So sometimes we'll, be, we'll do a bad job. We'll do like wrong job. So in most cases, yes, projects will fail. But there, this, this format, this approach gives a chance for excellence. So if you want to be great, if you want to do something really good, if you, this is the format where you can do that actually. Because what this Netflix and, and Agile suggests in traditional is team responsibility. It like, means everybody is responsible for everything and nobody is responsible for, for any faults. <coughs> this is what the Agile, this team responsibility is teaching us, which I really don't like. So I think it should be personal responsibility, always. No team responsibility. If the two people are responsible, it's nobody is responsible. So it should be me, my job is this, your job is that. And it's clear border between us. This is mine, this is yours. You failed, you failed. We know who failed. I failed, I failed. It's my fear. So the, to clear, you know, se separate this responsibility makes all of us more motivated and more interested to work in this team. Oh, okay, more, more relations. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Related question. Uh, what do you think about mob pro programming? Mobile programming. Mob, 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 mob. What is that? Talpa. What's which one? Talpa. Like not pair programming where mm -hmm. two people sit in the, the group of people. Yeah, we understand that you don't like. No, it, the pair programming is perfect. The pair programming, I'm not against. But that. It, it, it's the next step when not two but five. So one is developing and just four like. Uh, and now. people are standing behind. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so well, it's, it's it's fun for, for sure. It's definitely <laughs> fun. I, I love it myself. But that's like a limited you know limited scope. Just we're writing some you know small piece of code. We can do that kind of programming for, for something bigger. If we would do, do, do this for something bigger, naturally, the architect will show up. Somebody, just try it. Just put five people behind you and put yourself in front of the computer and start writing code. In a few hours, probably, maybe earlier, somebody, you will see that one person is dominating and telling what to do while other people are just watching. Oh, so it will be naturally created the hierarchy of, of people. So some of them will climb on top and say like, do it my way, do it my way. He will just event, like eventually, naturally, will be become an architect, and all other people will become just developers. It just happens, just in, even in pair programming. I've done it for a few years when I was uh, in school, basically, a long time ago. And I remember that two people, one is architect, another one is writing, usually. So one person is saying like, do it my way, do it my way, another person is like kind of, Agree, like always agree, like yes, yes, we just I just follow your decision. And he's agree, but he's typing. So yeah, he's, he's typing. typing. Yeah, sure, he's kind of trying to change a little bit, but still, still one person is becoming the, the becoming on top, another one. So my point is that why giving this, you know, this uh, uh, hierarchy evolve naturally instead of declaring it officially? Because when it evolves naturally, the most aggressive, the most vocal, the most loud person will become the leader. Not the smartest one, not the one who knows better, not the one who deserves that. Okay, we are but talking again about Trump, so let's keep it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So we'll just get the most, you know, the, the loudest person on top. But I'm suggesting to, to clearly define the rule and say no matter who's the loudest in this room, this quiet guy in the corner is the architect. So you guys can scream to each other for an hour, and then that person says, you know this, do it my way. And everybody just, all right. Because he deserves that, he knows better. Yeah. Do you think this approach will work for, for small teams? Yeah, I think it will work for, for a team of two and people. Well. In the paper 
the amount of paperwork? In the paper, yeah, in the paperwork. Well, uh, well, we don't do it on paper, we do it online, of course, electronically, but we, we always do this through tickets, all the discussions through tickets, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. said, through source code. In some teams, we may have like one person, two people, even for one person, it's better than like that. Even for one person, if you're developing the project yourself, think about yourself as an architect in a team which doesn't have people yet, but these people will show up in a year. Like, for example, right now, I'm, I'm doing a few of my like, pet projects, and I'm the only developer there. But I know that as soon as these projects will become bigger, then definitely will people, you know, people will join me in some time, and they will, they will want to know why, why I made certain decisions a year ago. Not because I was just you know, smart enough to make them, but I have some records for that, some, some, some data for that. So I will prove they will open the, the GitHub, and they will not ask me, like, hey, why did you decide to do that a year ago? They will just open the ticket, they will be just explained by myself, to myself. I'm just saying, hey, this doesn't work, I want to change it that way, that's a bug, and then I make changes and I close the ticket. You can check my GitHub, I did it yesterday, for example. So, yeah, more. Uh, <coughs> so, you were talking about spy influencing the, uh, how the project goes to the uh, uh, back reports and code reviews. So, my question is, what's your opinion about and contributing to the code itself, maybe on occasion, and uh, about the structuring teams uh, through the code, through the implementing some kind of contracts, saying that those are immutable and you guys should follow those. Yeah, that's perfect. That's completely in line with what I just said. So of course, the architect has to create that kind of rules. But not only the rules, I mean, uh, about the coding itself. What was what, your opinion about the uh, software architects uh, code. Oh, yeah, they, they have to write code, of course, yeah. The software architect, I think, is one of the main contributors to the source code, has to be. So the software architect should not be in the meetings, talking and talking. The software architect has to write code, and I think the biggest amount of code, well, it should be some balance, but the, the, a big amount of code should be created by the architect, of course. He's the main guy, because this is the way to teach the team as well. So I'm not sitting in the room and teaching you guys how it should code be structured because I'm so smart. No, here's my code, open it, take a look what I did. Look at my commits, look at what, how I did this unit testing yesterday. This is, look, this is how I create unit tests. Just copy me, don't ask me questions, don't come to me and say, hey, teach me unit testing, that's so interesting. I'm so interested to know what you, what you think about unit testing. It's a waste of money, it's a waste of time. I'm gonna teach you, you're gonna leave the team tomorrow. Then what? I just wasted my time teaching you. That's not what I paid for. The architect is paid, and all of us are paid, in order to improve the product, not to teach each other. We're not, we're not, it's not a school here, it's not a university. We're not here to, be, to become smarter. We are here to apply our knowledge to create the product. If our knowledge grows, I mean, while we're creating the product, only great. But this is not what the sponsor is paying for. The money comes in here not to teach us, not to train us. This is a secondary, this is like a, you know, it's a secondary effect, a side effect of, of creating the product. And the architect has to contribute to the code base, create code base, introduce new rules, the write the most complex unit tests, create the most complex integration test scenarios, all that stuff, the architect makes that. And everybody looking at that and just and, and learn from that. That's how it should be, I think. Yeah, probably the question here. Would yeah, I always thought about uh, the communication between members of the team, architect and the team is easier to make verbally language, you can use uh, like hands, you can use some visuals, Absolutely. but you say that it's uh, um, yeah, advised to make this line as thinner yeah. as possible, as thinner as possible, sorry. Yeah. Uh, why so? 
Yeah, that's, that's a good distance. point. That's a good point. Of course, talking verbally and communicating verbally in a room with <coughs> each other, I mean, and, and, you know, having a drink and, and, and talking, definitely it's easier. It's easier for the bad programmer. So, of course, it's a great tool for in face-to-face -face communication. It's a great instrument for a bad programmer. So if you're not smart enough to deliver your thoughts in a UML diagram, then you know your level is not high enough. So train, I mean, learn how to do it. Train yourself. Read a book about UML. So deliver me your thoughts without this, you know, uh, verbal communication, without raising hands and without lo lowering and raising your voice, but deliver it like a professional software developer. Professional software developers are not actors. We're not here to act and present ourselves. We're here as engineers to deliver our ideas in writing. I don't want to argue. Uh, it's easier naturally for people to draw a UML diagram instead of some tool online, right? Of course it's easier, yeah. I it's mean, easier, not easier, it's just quicker. Of course it's quicker, of course it's easier, of course it's, it's way more effective on the short term, in one day. If you, want to, if you want to solve the problem right now and never get back to this problem, then yes, do it verbally. But we are talking about development of a project which takes a year, for example. So if you deliver it to me now verbally, and I understand you, and then he joins the project tomorrow. So he's like, what guys you were talking about yesterday? And we we're like, hey, forget it. You're not gonna understand. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's a question about documentation, right? It's, it's always a question about maintainability. How maintainable after, after explanation. Yeah, we, well, it's difficult to document after explanation. I got it, you understand it, let's just code it. I mean, who cares about documentation? There will be no documentation in most cases. Yeah, you have to pay. You will spend time. You will spend money, but people will not do it because because people are lazy in general, including you know myself first of all. So I know that if it's if my message is already delivered, I'm kind of lazy. Like for example, after this talk, I explain all my ideas. You think I'm going to get back and write about this? Like hey, now I think like let me summarize what we talked. No, I mean it's already delivered. It's going to be on YouTube. That's it. So the same in the project. If you already delivered, so we need. My point is that we need to build this artificial wall between people and the project. We need to build a wall intentionally. We need to make their communications, you know, person-to-person -person communications more difficult, not easier. Instead of giving them more tools for, for calling each other, for talking, for this conference call. This is all this is all wrong. Instead, we need to build a wall and tell them you want to deliver your message, write the code. You want to deliver the message, create the documentation. Tell me about it and write it. And that will improve the project. Of course, it will be more difficult for people, definitely. They will be just initially they will be really reluctant to do that. They will, you know, push you back and say, like, hey, let me call this guy. Why do I need to write so much? I mean, I, I keep explaining him here and here and he doesn't understand me. Let me just call him in Skype. We'll do it easier, faster. Yes, but what about me? You guys just talk. What about me? I want to know what you agree about. I want to read that. Where can I get it? In a year. Nowhere. Yeah, the question there. Nobody knows how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why the agile approach works so well. Yeah, agile understands the problem but doesn't understand the solution. 
So Agile is wrong, definitely, in this case. If Agile preaches that, I'm not exactly sure. But if this bus factor is solved by sharing responsibility, it's just wrong. So of course this problem exists. Of course we don't want one person to be an expert in anything in the project. That's called like subject matter experts or this, you know, drivers or the bus drivers. Well, not, he's not the driver, he's the guy who's in front of the bus, right? So he's the pedestrian. So we don't want to have anyone who knows something which everybody else doesn't know. So we don't want to, to have that person. But the solution is not to, is not to uh, ask that person to share the knowledge because we, can, we may lose the entire team. It also happens. So what, again, I'll explain what's the right solution. But first of all, the person who is paying for the project is not paying to train us. The person is paying for us to create something which will live longer than us. So the team around the product is a replaceable component. The product is what it's paid for. We are replaceable people. We can, we can go away and somebody else will join the project. We need to organize our work the way that all of us can be removed and the product will survive. In an agile way, if all of us share responsibility and knowledge, we still can be, you know, the, the, the bus will not hit all of us, but uh, we may find, I don't know, it happens sometimes in the industry. The entire team gets hired by another, by another company, we're gone. so-called throwaway products, throwaway code. When we just sit together for three days in the same room, two programmers, five programmers, we just code something, whatever it is, we just throw it in the market, mobile. I talked to one company a few weeks ago in one conference, and they told me, I was kind of discussing that, and, and one person told me, you know, what we're doing all our, all, our, all our job is about creating mobile apps, which nobody uses. We just drop, throw, throw them on the market in this Apple store and wherever, and nobody plays this game. We're just building mobile games. We'll just put them there, and none of them work, actually. Like one out of 25 maybe becomes successful. So we are creating, routinely creating these trash applications. We put them on the market. We don't know which one people will like. And then eventually one of them just say, boom, this, this game, for some reason, people become you know, addicted with this game. It happens. So in this case, definitely, they create trash code, this throwaway code, which nobody, which don't care about the quality. In this case, absolutely, I'm not, just forget about all this. Just, just, just write the code. Remove this waste, you're right, absolutely, remove it. Because I'm suggesting waste, you're totally right. So what I'm suggesting is to put this wall between people, between architect and people, and they will, like, inevitably, will create this, you know, non-verbal communications, do extra documentations, extra files, extra, extra. It's all extra, we're gonna pay for it. For a short period of time, for two weeks, for, for three weeks, of course it's extra, the project will cost you more. But if you look at the year, then the project will cost you way less comparing to agile way you do it. So the people are, if it's one year, it's people come and go, the, the person joins the, the project, it takes a month or two months to learn what's going on here, to, to train the person, 
to get this knowledge from the architect, it takes a lot of time. So on the long run, it's more, it's, this way is way cheaper. On the short term, of course, it's more expensive. And now let me answer the question, the original one about the bus driver. So if we have one person, the architect, who knows how the deployment happens, and that person and, and everybody in the team knows that that person knows about that, and, and they can come there and get that knowledge out of the person. So they know the deployment should happen, we just go to the, to that, to that guy and ask him, and that's it, we can get this information. Then he will be the, 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 the risky guy, he will be the threat to us, he will be the expert who may be hit by the bus. But if there is a wall between me and that guy, I cannot go there, I cannot ask him anything. All I can do is submit a bug and say, I can't find this information about the deployment. Like how the hell this application is deployed? That's my bug. I joined the team today, and tomorrow my first way in the office, my first day in the office, and this is my first bug. Like, hey, I can't find information about the deployment. Give it to me, but don't give it to me. Put it in the repository. Where is it? Where's the documentation about the deployment? I don't care who does the deployment. I don't care who's the architect here. I don't want to talk to that person. He has the information has to be in front of him. And here's my bug report. <coughs> but that's it. And that that architect will report it. I mean, will will submit that information to repository. Problem solved. He may be hit by the bus, but we have the information. I mean, we love the guy, but still. Okay, but suppose we motivate the developer to ask this question. If he can only write this code and uh, that's handled by the salary. Well, it, because it will, because sometimes he will not be able to write something. He will not be able to do like some. Of course, if he, if my job is to write some classes and I never touch the deployment, then I'm not going to do that. But in most projects, we kind of have to know something about deployment sometimes. So we will, we will cross the lines with the, with the architectural decisions. It will happen naturally, it will naturally. So it will happen because that information will be required. We have like two more minutes, Let, let's do two more questions. Yeah. Let's imagine that uh, the entire industry works like a Chinese assembly factory, and we have such architect, dictator. How you can grow new architects such conditions, it's really hard for me to grow new architects because mm -hmm. uh, the education, the learning is a continuous try and fail process. Yeah. So how you can grow new architects? From developers. Yeah. From so the question is how developers will become architects. Yeah. And what's the, what, what will motivate them to do that? That's not, the question. It's not about motivation, it's about how they can obtain knowledge, how they can try such knowledge well, in their job, they have their, their tasks, they have their problems to solve, they solve problems, they see how the architect is solving similar problems, they see how they can, for example, I have an architect in the team and I'm a developer, the architect is writing some complex unit tests, I'm just copying the guy because I'm, you know, I'm not that smart, so I'm seeing how that person is doing that, but I also have my task to, to write unit tests. So I'm kind of copying that knowledge. So I look at what that person is doing. I'm reading books, I'm attending conferences. I'm trying to improve because I know the salary is bigger here. That was motivation. So I'm kind, of, I'm kind of growing and growing and growing by looking at these people who are better than me. I should try. I can't just read books. And well, you're trying in, in the scope of your work. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I try to code. I, I need to try to make uh, some big architectural decisions. Try to make them and see how they work? Uh, and then we're gonna pay you. I can learn how to code. I can learn. I can learn how to code from my architect, for example. Uh -huh. But I can't. Uh, in such situation, I will be unable to make decisions. You know, big decisions. 
Well, you will be able to make them, but the architect will filter them out. So the architect will, all of them will go through the architect. Well, we can't, we can't make a, we can't let the cameraman make all decisions. Yeah, he wants to make them all. Let me direct the movie. Hey, I also want to be the director. Yeah, you can try, but I mean, there is a director here, and the director gets the money to make the movie great. So of course, the cameraman may have huge ambitions to become the director, but sorry, not in this movie. I mean, try it out somewhere else. So the same in the project. I mean, I'm the architect. You're the developers, for example. So I mean, I don't care how, how ambitious you are, but in this project, I make all the decisions. Tomorrow, you can be transferred somewhere else, and then you will try to be the architect there and see how, how it works. But in one project, it's always one person who makes decisions. Okay. Let's take so that. Yeah. I have a few questions and comments about uh, your position. Uh -huh. uh, what about scalability of your environment? If you are a super tyrantized uh, architect and you say everybody what to do or what not to do, what they could try and uh, prevent some actions, it's really hard for developers to learn in such environment when you just observe how other people work. You not experiment enough, you not fail enough, to learn the, the real lesson. When you not fail, you learn uh, not so fast. And uh, it really would be hard to get next architect when this first guy would be hit by bus, for example, yes, or case mm -hmm. like this, where you could find the other, the next guys, and how to scale the system, where to find a lot of such architects with such expertise if next generation are not developing enough for it. And one more remark, uh, you say that is. Uh, what if we teach them and they will leave our company? There is a joke that what if you not teach them and they will stay? Maybe <laughs> we don't teach anybody. We don't teach anybody for four years and nobody leaves us. So that's that's the lesson I've, the lesson I've learned. And don't teach anybody. Are. Don't teach them. Respect them that they will teach themselves. When you teach somebody, you kind of take initiative out of the hands of that person. Don't teach them. Let them let them learn yourself themselves. Yeah. Well, That's the more respectful attitude to people, I think. Instead of teaching them and, and looking at them like you know people who are not smart enough, they are or they are already smart enough. Give them tasks. Let them work on tasks and see how they be, how they come, come. I mean, how they perform. If they don't perform, they will just leave for for actual real business reasons. But instead of I mean, not make it a school. That's a typical mistake. Don't turn your project into a school. Don't teach anyone. That's wrong. Don't teach them, just build a discipline, build this, the, the rules around your team, and then they will learn by themselves. Yeah, yeah. but quick, yeah. Yeah, really quick one. So, in the last few thousand years, we are living, you know, in a really hierarchy environment, yeah? So we saw that empires fell down, so more democracy countries, uh, we see that uh, even more distributed uh, uh, society is growing up, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at uh, Airbnb, Uber, and that kind of application, so even look to blockchain, so it will be decentralized society. Yeah. So in a such system, there is totally different mindset. How you how you yeah, see totally different mindset. I think in the project decentral decentralization or this uh, holacracy, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, like the, the 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 alternative to. I think it's just wrong. It's just the wrong movement. Totally wrong. Okay. A project has to be structured like a pyramid. A project. An organization, a family, I don't know, a society, you build it the way you want, I mean, in a democratic way. But the project, to be successful, has to be structured like a pyramid. The leader on top, these people you know, report to the leader, these people report to that people. This is the only structure which actually is able to produce any results. If, you want, if we just want to have fun in the office, if we want to just enjoy the company, you know, and make friends, enjoy the time we spend in the office, then yes, of course, remove the leader, because the leader will actually tell you what to do. Remove the leader and enjoy the company. But this is not the, the, the goal of the project, of, of any project. 
all projects they want to make, I mean, products and profits. So we need the structure, we need to build, to build it like this. I, probably this is the final, we may ask questions later, but we have just five minutes before the next talk. So I'll be outside, ask me there. Thank you very much.